All right, it is first in Moose, Connor, Patrick, and Manny. It was championship weekend. We've honestly had one of the the best playoffs in in a while. It's it's been really good. Hopefully, the Super Bowl is a, is another good game. I mean, besides Wild Card Weekend, I mean, the divisional round was was great. This weekend was was pretty much as much as you can ask for as well. I mean, Wild Card Weekend, I think you're just gonna most likely get a blowout here and there, so no worries there. But I've been pleasantly surprised with the games because I thought there could have been some blow, some more blowouts here and there. There's been upsets as well. I mean, we have a, a Rams Bengals Super Bowl. I don't think uh, I doubt anyone picked that in the preseason. I know people were high on the Rams to make the Super Bowl, but I don't think many people would be high on the the Bengals. Besides, maybe Bengals fans. Uh, as you got closer, people like the Bengals more. Uh, but even then, I feel like there's there's overall mostly people are going to pick the Chiefs. I know people do pick the Bengals, but a lot of people pick the Chiefs. But we can start with that game. Chiefs, Bengals, heads to overtime. The dynasty of one, some like to call it uh, now, because the Chiefs have only found a way to win one Super Bowl after making it to the four AFC championships. It's a letdown. I mean, this team needs to make the Super Bowl with their with their uh, MVP, Patrick Mahomes, and and they're not, I mean, at, how how bad do you think the Chiefs got to feel like they wasted away? I mean, you're, you're first in goal, can put the game away. You even have the, the second half going into the, the first half, going into the second half, you, you decide not to kick the field goal there. You just, just an odd decision-making process by Mahomes. But those two... Uh, touch like opportunities for touchdowns there. I feel like are, are huge missed opportunities and possibly the reason they they lost the game. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, like when I watched it, I wasn't really upset at the time just because of the way the game was going. Like at the time it was 21 to 21 to three and I, and I was thinking, all right, if they don't get this, like they're just going to score again at the start of the second half. That's the way it was going. And then obviously they only ended up scoring three points the whole second half and in overtime. I mean, that's just, that just can't happen. Obviously when you have Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, everybody there. And I think as much as it is, as much as it is a credit to the Bengals for playing really well and their defense stepping up, getting that turnover. I think for me, most of it does fall on like the shoulders of Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, just because of the expectations that they had and what they have represented over these last like four to five seasons, they've been to four AFC championships, like you said, Connor, and uh, they have uh, really a perennial MVP almost every year in Pat Mahomes. So they have all the stars, and to just only score three points in the second half, it just can't it can't happen when you have a Bengals team that's also really started off really slow, but just similarly to their first game. They came back from 17 down in their first game and they did it again to them again this time around. And especially being at home, everything was in the Chiefs' favor and it just, they just kind of collapsed. They just kind of folded and the Bengals did everything. Everything played out right for them. Even when they lost CJ Uzama, I thought really that was kind of like, like a tell or a sign that this game was going to just be uh, be an ugly game for, for them. But they uh, credit to them for coming back and doing everything right that they did and finding themselves in the Super Bowl now. Um, there was something that said nobody's ever won a Heisman. 
uh, national championship and a Super Bowl. Nobody's ever done that, and Joe Burrow has the chance to. So uh, that's, I guess, really exciting for them. If you're a Bengals fan, that's great. And uh, a lot of people stepped up for them with CJ uh, going down. So uh, they're a hot team right now, and I wouldn't really bet against them probably in the Super Bowl, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that later on. You know, I think for the Chiefs, so many people were were betting against them, not so much because of the actual Chiefs team. It was mainly because everyone hates Mahone's wife and Mahone's brother. I think everyone can agree on that. It's it's not so much that they – it's just that they bother people. And it's – you know, there's a lot of stuff that, like, you know, that they've done, the Sean Taylor, the Sean Taylor Memorial to spraying champagne on people – there's a lot of stuff that people have seen that made them hate the Chiefs, even if those two people aren't even on the team. So I think there's a lot of people rooting against them, mainly because they ain't like Mahone's family, but also because I think we all deserve to see Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. And I think that's the great, I think that's probably the best thing for the NFL right now. And we'll get into the Brady thing, but. I think the biggest thing out of the next five years is who's going to take over as like the leader of the league. And Brady's been that for 20 years now, 15 years. I'm very, very excited to see who takes over as that kind of that top guy of all offensive and defensive players. And Burrow has a very, very high chance of that. And, you know, um, you can easily say the Chiefs choked. I would, I feel like you could say that they really, they played great in the first half. And like you talked about, Manny, CJ Uzama has been an incredible talent for the Bengals. He's really been the safety valve for Joe Burrow throughout the season. You know, as much as Jamar Chase has been the number one, CJ Uzama has quickly, you know, I really think he's shot himself into the top 10 tight end conversation, I feel like. So when he went down, yes, I was definitely nervous because that's a huge, a huge loss that Burrow had. Uh, but I think that Jamar Chase and especially T Higgins, T Higgins had a game yesterday and he stepped up big time. He, you know, he's become kind of like the second like wide receiver two, maybe wide receiver three, if you want to count Uzama as a wide receiver two. Uh, but he had a great game. I'm I'm happy for T. Higgins. I thought he was great coming out of Clemson a couple of years ago, but I think the Bengals played great. Zach Taylor, the, see, the thing is, Zach Taylor isn't that great of a coach. It's just that, for whatever reason, Joe Burrow can just do whatever he wants, and it works every single time. It's just – it's effortless for him. It's very odd to see that type of player being – so effortless with his playing that it looks so incredibly, you know, just polished for only a guy who's really in his, I mean, first full season in the NFL. It's, it's amazing to see that. I think for the chiefs, like you talked about Connor and Manny, I think that the chiefs are again, still in the Super Bowl window. I, I still think they have at least maybe two, three more years, but I mean, you're going to get older. Like Patrick Mahomes is already 26 He's just entering, you know, his prime, which is weird to say because he's been so good, but he is entering the prime of his career. Travis Kelsey is going to get older. You know, that O-line also is not the youngest in the world. Most of those guys are, you know, in the middle of their primes, end of their primes. Well, Lando Brown might not even be a chief too. So you have to look at getting another franchise cornerstone at left tackle. There's a lot of issues with this chiefs team. 
that they have to work out. And I think that starts at the top with Andy Reid and Brett Veach. They have to be able to somehow replicate what they had during that one Super Bowl winning season, or at least get a team that is as good on offense as it is on deep or as good defensively as it is offensively. If they can do that, I think they're a competitor. But until that point, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to make it beyond, you know, that hump. I don't, I really don't think so. They may end up being like the Bills of the early 90s where they lost four straight Super Bowls. And, you know, it's four straight AFC championship games. But when you're a team that has every piece in place and star players, you know, galore, you should be competing every year for the Super Bowl. And the fact that they only have one in the last four years is embarrassing. So I'm excited for the Bengals. I'm really, I love, I'm, I'm, it's going to be tough because this is like the first time where you're not rooting against a quarterback. I think either way, both quarterbacks deserve it. And most cities deserve it too. For the Cincinnati, I mean, they've they've been the, the bottom of the AFC for so long for all of our lives. I mean, they, they didn't go to a playoff game or win a playoff game since, what, 1991 or something like that? It's been a long time. For Cincinnati, I think they deserve it, and Joe Burrow certainly deserves it. But Matt Staff, it's hard to root against Matt Stafford, and we'll get into it in a minute. But the the career that that man has had is incredible to think about. He brought the Lions to competitive. He brought them to be competitive so many times, even when that when so many of his teams were god awful. So, you know, I don't think you can root against either quarterback. If it goes either way, you know what? I'm going to be happy. But I feel like Matt. I feel like I'm going to want Matt Stafford to win just because I want my prediction to come true of him retiring after one Super Bowl. I think uh, an interesting thing you you said, uh, Patrick, was was about uh, who's going to take over over the league, since uh, which we'll get into the Brady news later. And um, if he leaves, it seems like he will leave um, and retire. But I think just the AFC, I know a lot of people have talked about his name, is stacked QB-wise. And I think that's – well, I can maybe see like a, even though the better QBs are in the AFC, I could just see a if there's one NFC QB that learns how to dominate that side, I think it's just an easier path to get there every year. I mean, you're not facing, I mean, probably the top five QBs are going to be in the AFC for the next 10 years is how we're looking at it, unless there's a surprise QB out of nowhere. But I think a, a QB on the NFC side could be the one that kind of dominates, at least gets to Super Bowl. Maybe doesn't win, but they can at least continuously get to the Super Bowl just because they have a little bit of an easier road, possibly. But uh, Joe Burrow submitting his legacy. I think he'll be back. He'll find a way to be back. I mean, he's, he's winning with a team that I think most people agree isn't the best team in the playoffs. I mean, no one, no one thinks that, but they're, they're finding ways to win. It's because of, of Joe Burrow. But we can jump to Rams, 49ers. I really thought the 49ers were going to find a way to win this game. Um, Kyle Shanahan, fourth quarter, not always my favorite. Jimmy G, fourth quarter, definitely not. He's not my favorite throughout the entire game, generally. But um, he, uh, I don't know, there's, there's a couple of plays. I was like, gosh, I can't believe the, the Packers lost to these guys. I was like, can't. I was like, wow, this is this this hurts. I didn't think I was gonna be in pain watching this game, but I was because I was like, oh, we should we should be in the Super Bowl probably, but we're not. Um, 
but yeah, the the 49ers are um kind of kind of gave one up there. They're up 17-7 at a point in the game and just dominating. I think it was was it I think Debo didn't get a single carry in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's just uh not good at all. That that can't happen. You can't go away against against your top skill position player and probably him and Cooper Cup, the best two players, uh, skill position players on the field. Um, I guess you could Matthew Stafford. You could argue is the best player, or I guess Aaron Donald would be the best player. But offensively, Matthew Stafford is the the best player on the field. And then you got Cooper Cup and um, uh, Debo Samuel. But man, the Rams found a way to win. They get back at the 49ers for beating them twice. And I think it's just hard for a team to be another team three times in one year. And Stafford is finding his way to the Super Bowl. Uh, Manny and Patrick, uh, Matthew Stafford, how far does this take his legacy? I mean, we've talked about last week, but I feel like just winning this game, it's getting like people are like Hall of Fame already. I mean, I think his numbers are there and whatnot. Um, but it doesn't even feel like he needs to win the Super Bowl, to be honest at this point for people to uh, call him a Hall of Fame QB. I feel like if he wins a Super Bowl, it's going to – I feel like that would 100% cement him maybe first ballot, but maybe a second ballot Hall of Famer or second year Hall of Famer. I think he has the stats. I mean, he's – I feel like doesn't he lead like the – he leads all active QBs in – fourth quarter and overtime comebacks, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like he, he probably does, honestly. I don't even know. I don't even think I need to look that up. But I think that Stafford 100% has the stats. He's had the pedigree. And, you know, again, the Hall of Fame, I don't know if they're going to take into account how bad those Detroit Lions teams were for years. I mean, the only two stars on those on those teams were Matthew Stafford and and Calvin Johnson. You can throw younger and a younger Darius Slay in there too. Uh, I think you know Stafford. I feel like he does. I honestly think, in my mind, I would love to see Stafford in the Hall of Fame. It might make it easy a lot easier for him and his case to make it into the Hall of Fame if he wins the Super Bowl especially with the way that he's played in this first season alone. I mean, it's completely proved that he's been this revolutionary quarterback, and you really have to think about what could have been. Matt Stafford may be the greatest what-if story. What if he got drafted to an actual winning team like the Packers or the Colts or any team, literally any team, you could say – you know, what could have been, and it probably would have been better than Detroit. So I think that's the greatest what if story. I think that may ever go if, you know, for now, I guess, but yeah, I think if he wins the Super Bowl, guaranteed Hall of Famer, I'd be very interested to see if he, if he retires after this season, because, you know, sometimes players will do that. They'll win their Super, their Super Bowl and that's it. They've reached the peak they can't achieve anymore. I mean, Matt Stafford's done everything but win a Super Bowl. That could be it for him. But I hope it's not. I really like the Stafford, the Cup connection. I think that's a great, great duo. And, you know, I hopefully we can see it for a couple more years. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I wouldn't be shocked if Matt Stafford retired after this season with, you know, how old. I mean, he's getting up there in age, too, now. He's like 34, 35, something like that. 
I'd agree with that. I think um, from where it from where his legacy is right now and where it had been, you you like Patrick talked about. It was just a big what if. Like what if he was with a good team and what if he made it to the playoffs all this time? How good would he have been? And nobody knew the answers to that. He could have he could have gone into this uh this playoff in the in the wild card round and lost, and that would have been just confirming what everybody already kind of assumed of him, but he proved everybody wrong. He's won three playoff games already. And if he wins the Super Bowl, I think it'll elevate his, his, his current legacy to a place where you can start talking to him, start comparing him to all these other great quarterbacks that have like maybe one or two Super Bowls. And then he's only 33. Uh, I think right now 33 or 34. And he, I think for me, he has like at least, at least two more years in him. And if he gets, Back to NFC championships, going back to what you said, Connor, about how it's an a lot easier path in the AFC. That is very possible for him to be back there next year and the year after that with the current Rams team that they have. So even that just building off from this year, winning the Super Bowl possibly and into the next couple of years, it could take his legacy to a place that's very high up among the uh, quarterbacks that are already in the Hall of Fame. And if imagine if he were to win like all three like three Super Bowls or something like that. He would be talked among like the top at least 12 to 10 quarterbacks uh, in NFL history and a for, in a for sure first ballot Hall of Famer. So um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I've already put him there already, but it all starts with this game on uh, on February 13th against the, the Bengals that we already know is nobody is isn't a team to sleep on. But I think the Rams are just better suited for for that game and just I think this will be this plays very well into what Matt Stafford uh it culminates the story very very well it's a very good ending to a story that exactly like a year ago from yesterday it was when the Rams traded for him and he's going to be in the Super Bowl so I think it just plays very well into this whole story that they had going Sean McVay going there uh on vacation with Matt Stafford talking to him there getting this deal done it has proven proven them right so far and uh i think uh it'll just increase his legacy, his legacy that much more if uh, if he were to win it do we see the rams being like continual success after this year i mean how how long do we think they can they can stick around here i know patrick has the the hope his prediction comes right of uh matthew stafford uh winning and, and retiring but say wins or loses but stays around for let's just give him four four more years um i think he's middle 30s so we'll just say four more years uh maybe not as good but you know not awful qb play um i mean where do we see this team going do we do we see them being a a team in the nfc as as strong as they are this year i mean i know their their cap's always going to be an issue they don't have draft picks to fill it in or they or do we just see them making moves every year and uh, quote unquote going all in every single year? I really think they could go all in every year. And like you talked about, they don't have a first round pick till 2024. It's two years, really three drafts from now. It's insane to think a team could be still that competitive. The problem that I foresee the Rams having is a lot of their stars are older players. I don't know if you guys noticed, Aaron Donald has not done anything in this playoffs. He's really been shut down basically every single game. I mean, we really haven't talked about his name too much. And, you know, we've talked about Von Miller a lot more. And maybe that's Aaron Donald getting double teamed because he is Aaron Donald. And Von Miller, for whatever reason, gets 
you know, a one-on-one -on -one situation where he's probably going to win nine out of 10 times, no matter how good of a, you know, left tackle or right tackle, whatever side he's on. So I think that with the Rams, yes, their stars are getting older. Cooper Cup is definitely, you know, the outlier in that situation, but OBJ is what, 31 now, 30, maybe, maybe like a little bit younger. Uh, what else? Andrew Whitworth's going to retire. So they got to figure out who's going to be their left tackle for the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years, potentially. Uh, what else? Von Miller again. Yeah. He's getting older too. I could see him maybe going maybe another two years, maybe three that, I mean, that's really pushing it though. So I'm interested to see what the Rams do because they can either, you know, figure out how to start building through the draft again, because they're going to have to eventually, you know, sign, like get guys from the draft who are going to be cheap because their cap, their cap situation is, I mean, for whatever reason, they work it out every year. My props to, I forget who their GM is off the top of my head, but I mean, they've really done an incredible job. They've, they've done an incredible job. I don't know. I want to say that the Rams remain a competitor. If the if Stafford retires, then no. I think that it's going to be interesting who they first off bring in a quarterback. I'm very interested to see that. Uh, and then second off, again, like you have older stars, you're gonna have to start building through the draft again, but you don't have a first round pick for the next three years. So I'm interested to see what the Rams do. I still think they're gonna be competitive if Stafford is the quarterback for the next couple of years. But at the same time, these stars are going to get older. Their production is going to slowly start to decrease. Not everybody can be Tom Brady. So I think the Rams are in a good position, but also at the same time, you could say they're in a bad position because they don't have really any good picks for the next three years. So I think it's going to they're going to be competitive, though. I would say they're going to be competitive. Answer your question. Yeah, I think we can give them at least uh, competitive. Um, they're they're very well built right now. They have some guys that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, Darius Williams plays well opposite of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, that defensive line is playing very well. And uh, other than Aaron Donald, of course, they have Leonard Floyd, obviously Von Miller. And other than that, I think they're just they're just very well put together. And you talk about some of their notable stars. You have OBJ that is going to be a free agent. Andrew Whitworth, like Patrick said, is most likely going to retire. So that'll be something that'll be probably their major uh, point of emphasis this offseason, getting somebody to fill in there to protect Matt Stafford. Because like we've already said, he's 34, 33 years old. You can't have him taking all these hits and expect him to play a lot more than two, three years. So that. That is something that uh, they'll have to look into, but I think it's just how they structure these deals, how these big, their notable guys kind of play out in free agency. If they want to look towards more saving cap room and stuff like that, they could maybe let go of like OBJ or something, not resign into a big deal and uh, hope, hope that he's open to taking less money after kind of showing the world that he's still OBJ. He's still um, worth all this attention that he's getting, all this uh, money that he could be earning. If he takes possibly less money and stays with them in hope of getting another championship, I, I'm sure they'd love that for, for their catches, but you never know. He kind of like re revitalized his career in uh, at the Rams, so he could be looking elsewhere for more money and be that number one guy um, with probably what's coming back. There could be less targets to go around. You, know, you don't know how that stuff plays out or how he'll react to that, but that's something to look into if they want to save cap. But I think just being competitive in the NFC 
um, that point that you brought out, Connor, before is very interesting. I never really realized how, like, there's not that many notable guys with the retirement of Brady now in the NFC. So he's in a very good spot where he could get back there one or two more times at least and still kind of play for, for Super Bowl. So this Rams team, I think, uh, is very well put together. They did well to kind of be in this win-now mode and kind of plan out this window of three to four years where they can considerably be uh, Super Bowl contender because of how everything played out. You have all the young guns over there in the AFC, and they're kind of just sitting there with other with quarterbacks, other like Kyle, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, still obviously. But other than that, they're they're going to be in the mix. So I think go, for this next these next two to three years will be very well for them. And I think, plus, other than just their offense, which is very well, their defense is set up well to have this very well balanced team. So I think they'll be they'll be right in the mix for at least another two to three years for sure. Well, we will preview the Super Bowl next week on our on our podcast, but we can get into some of the the coaching carousels uh, that's been happening. Um, there's been some hirings, obviously, still some some vacancies at the moment. Um, I've got NFL.com just pulled up, so we'll we'll go in order of of what they have. Um, I don't think this is a this is probably one of the least. Uh, flashiest hirings uh, with the Chicago Bears. Uh, they hired defensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Eberfluss. I believe I'm pronouncing the last name correct. I, I don't know, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I mean, nothing huge there. Uh, they're going defensive. That's interesting. I mean, especially when you're investing in Justin Fields. Uh, I mean, they're just – they're switching off of what they went with Matt Nagy. I guess Matt Nagy left that bad of a taste in their mouth, but I think it's an interesting thing when, you know, it's a QB-driven league and they're they're going defensive, and hopefully he'll be able to do it for the Bears and won't cause their fans another, you know, five years or so of grief. But I don't know, man. I, I don't think I would be super excited if I was a Bears fan, but what was y'all's takeaway of, of this hiring and uh, the angle of going defensive instead of offensive-minded coach? Kind of, I kind of like it, honestly. I mean, the Colts team, their defense is one of the – I mean, they've really been incredible. I don't know if you guys watched Hard Knocks of them at all this season, but they really had a lot of great talent on the Colts, and – I think he was able to use all those talents to his advantage. I mean, you think about it, Darius Leonard came out of an HBCU in South Carolina State, and he's been a revelation at Mike Linebacker for them. He's been arguably the best player for the Colts besides Jonathan Taylor. So I'm very I'm excited to see this just because I think maybe it's going back to the Bears' roots you know, back in the 80s when they had the 85 Bears and that's, you know, that vaunted defense. I'm excited to see it, but also at the same time, yeah, like you talked about, Connor, Justin Fields needs a good needs a good offensive coordinator, which is interesting because they hired the Packers offensive coordinator. So I'm very interested to see how they, you know, because what, Getsy, how long has Getsy been there for the Packers? Sorry, I was I was muted. Um, yeah. I would have to look at how long he's been there, but he was the the uh, QB coach last passing game well, coordinator. Um, yeah, but I'll, so, I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, 
But no, I think, again, going back to my point, like you talked about, he is the QB coach. He's been, you know, that guy in Aaron Rodgers' ear for the last couple of years now. So I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Justin Fields. I really like Justin Fields. I think he's a great person. I think he's a great talent. I mean, we've seen him since high school in QB1, then at Ohio State, or then at Georgia, then at Ohio State. I'm really, I really like him. And I think he's a great quarterback with a great, I mean, he's a good arm, great mobility. I, I really like him, but I think they need to have the right support structure in place in order to help him succeed. And that starts with getting a good, you know, a good uh, supporting cast. Allen Robinson may be leaving this offseason for another team, you know, if the, if the Bears don't resign them, which I don't think, I don't know if that's going to happen. They need to get a good supporting cast, and I feel like they, you know, not rebuilding, but they need to start building through the draft and making smart, you know, smart free agency moves like the Bengals did. The Bengals balled out on their free agency moves this year. So the Bears are able to do that. I think they are a good team. Again, they're one of the oldest and, you know, most historic fan bases in all of football, and they've got a fan base that is that stretches across this country. So I think I like the hire, but I think the biggest thing is, is Luke Getze going to be able to help Justin Fields turn into the quarterback I think we all think he could potentially be. Yeah, I'm on the fence with it a little bit too, just because, again, everybody was assuming that they were going to do something to fix that awful offense that they had. Um, a lot of it, it's just because obviously the coach, Matt Nagy, he spent too much time there. His time there was way overdue and it was time for a change. But uh, maybe they're they were trying something different. They went with an offensive guy in Matt Nagy. They're gonna try the defensive guy in Everfuss. Um, it could be interesting. We don't know how how it'll how it'll pan out. I think a lot of it has to do with like Patrick said, who they get to surround Justin Fields. That is that should be their main their main goal in this draft and in free agency as well, getting him as much help as possible to to flourish in this in this team that is has that has desperately been searching uh for that franchise guy and now that they possibly have him they kind of dropped the ball uh majorly in this in his first season but they can that not always lost they could do something to kind of get him back to the player that everybody knows he has the potential to definitely be and on the defensive side of the ball obviously he's gonna you hope you expect him to help that defense um that a lot of people kind of think that this bears team is kind of relying on has been built through but this defense really kind of underperformed this coming year and I think that's a big reason why they brought they brought in Everfluss is to kind of bring them back to that kind of top 15 top 10-ish range of defenses where uh, they have been known to be at recently this past year they've given up like 25 24 24 to 25 points per game and they're middle of the table and yards allowed per game so that can't really happen when you have a when you have a stuttering offense that can barely get up 14 points so they're gonna try their I assume that their game plan was trying to get that defense back uh Khalil Mack is kind of somebody that I think has been overlooked recently these past years hasn't been that kind of monster coming off the edge like everybody has been expected to to know him as he hasn't really been up there in sacks I don't know exactly how many he had this year but it was Robert Quinn opposite of him who was near the top five in, in sacks. So 
you got to do something to kind of get him going again. And if you have both of them operating at that high of a level, this defense will, will basically be lights out if they're getting the quarterback's face every every other play. So I think they're just, just trying to get back to that defensive prowess that they had. And I think every Chicago Bears fan can agree that if they could do anything, really get uh, Justin Fields any kind of help uh, at the receiver spot, uh, will go a long way kind of solidifying this offense into at least being something that they're hopeful to, because I think they kind of lost hope in this offense halfway through the season. So uh, that'll be their main, their main point and a big task for Everflux to kind of get the Chicago Bears team where everybody kind of has gotten this hope for that they could finally get to with, uh, with Justin Fields. Another team that hired its new head coach was the, the Denver Broncos. They hired another Packer taken uh nathaniel hackett um was the offensive coordinator for the packers and he's been extremely well liked obviously he's done very well overall for the packers offense uh a final dud kind of game only scoring 10 points but uh overall he's done well i mean he improved the offense from where it was under mike mccarthy and obviously you still got matt lafleur there as a very offensive-minded coach but uh all I see is is very positive um, things from from players and coaches speaking about him being a good person and whatnot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And obviously, the rumors start with could Rogers go there and and, and follow Hackett, which I think, uh, I mean, if Hackett somehow helps pull that off, I think that makes that hire a immediate success. Uh, but I don't think that's what you're counting on per se i would i would hope not as a as if you're a denver fan i think that's probably a, kind of a, a scary bet to to make but i think this over a good hire uh obviously hasn't been a head coach before so it's kind of up in the air but i i think it's a good one i'll be cheering for him yeah i like i like the hire too i think he's been again the packers offense has been one of the mo- more consistent during the regular season for the, ever since Matt before was hired, they've, you know, again, like you talked about Connor, they've laid a couple of duds in the playoffs the last couple of years, and they have struggled to get over that hump. I agree with you. I think that if they can somehow lure Aaron Rodgers to go to Denver, that is an, I mean, that's the best possible option the biggest thing is if they can somehow get Aaron, does that also mean they can get Devontae Adams as well? The biggest thing out of all of this is the Broncos have a lot of young stars on their team. Noah Fant's a great tight end coming out of tight end U in Iowa, which is controversial, but it is true. Uh, I also like Patrick Sertan is a great number one court cornerback too out in Denver. They do have a lot. I can't, I literally, I'm blanking on whoever else is in Denver right now. So I'll look it up probably after this, but they have, I know they have a lot of great talent, young talent, especially and if you're able to bring in arguably the number one route runner and the top three wide receiver in Devonte Adams and a hall of famer and probably a hall of famer and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, that's an, you could easily say the Broncos might be con- they might be a team to look out for. I wouldn't necessarily say they're contenders, but I would say that they're definitely, you know, a dark horse for the AFC. I'm very interested to see that though. I don't know if it's going to happen. Maybe Rogers stays. I don't know if he does. It's so confusing. Honestly, I really don't know. 
maybe even the pa- the Packers may even want to just move on after, you know, what's happened this season and, you know, all the PR stuff. So I don't know. I like the move though. I think the Broncos going offense when they have more of their young talent is on the offense. I think that's a good move for them. I'm very excited to see where the Broncos go. I hope it works out for them. And, you know, one thing we do have to remember the last great hall of fame quarterback to go there happened to be Peyton Manning. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but Peyton did win a Super Bowl in Denver and then retired. So you never know. It could happen, but obviously it's very up in the air right now. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens, but I feel like there is definitely a, a decent chance that Rodgers ends up going to Denver. And just to, just to piggyback off of that, I think that's a good, talk, a good hire, like Patrick said. Um, with Vic Fangio, you saw like the offense wasn't really getting anywhere. So you had to bring in a new guy to come revitalize that. And the only issue, not issue, but only like, I guess, problem that I would see as a, as a Denver Broncos fan would, would probably also see is that you have all these top guys, like we've mentioned before, Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, Derek Carr, even those are just in the division, and then you got outside of it, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, all these tough guys in the AFC. The only worry I would have as a Denver Broncos fan is that would Rodgers want to come into the conference with all these up and coming guys when he's on his way out? So I'm I'm not saying that Rodgers is, is like scared of the challenge of that. I'm not, obviously, he probably wouldn't be. But it is something to consider when you're 37, 38 years old. Am I really going to be putting myself up against these young guys when I could possibly stay in the NFC and only come up against uh, now Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, these guys that aren't at the top of the top really per se, or would I want to go up against the next couple of guys? All right, we can move forward to the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh McDaniels, they end up going with that hire. They did not hire their interim head coach. I feel like a lot of people were were cheering for uh, their interim head coach and then just it didn't end up panning out. But I think Josh McDaniels is, is a good hire. Um, and I, I find it interesting that this is the one that McDaniels finally bites on. He's been in interviews before, and, you know, it's numerous times it seemed like he would get the job and then he either doesn't accept or, or doesn't get it. And then now he finally accepts the, the Raiders one. And I think he must see that Derek Carr, he can do things with Carr out there and has a steady QB already in place. But where, where do you guys rank this hiring? Do you, do you like it or do you not like it? I don't know if I necessarily like it or not because he didn't have like the greatest – uh what was it great he didn't really have the greatest head coaching wasn't he he was the broncos head coach correct i don't remember where he was but i know he was somewhere he was somewhere he didn't do that good yeah yeah i think it was the broncos so it wasn't that great of a head coaching you know first time and obviously it's been a long time i think it's been like 10 years now something like that nine years so a lot of probably personal growth in that time. And obviously the ill-fated him going to the Indianapolis and then quickly backing out of it. So I think Josh, I'm interested to see how this goes. Josh McDaniels head coach 2.0. I don't know if I necessarily like love, love the situation in, you know, Oakland. They have Darren Waller who 
has honest, I mean, he has one of the best stories, I think, of any NFL athlete. I don't know if you guys ever read up on him, but he's a great, great player, great person, amazing story. I really like him. He's 28 now, 29. He's something like something around that age. So it's definitely like in the middle of his prime right now. Derek Carr as well. It's a great, I think he's a, he's a consistent quarterback. He's not going to be consistently great. He's not going to be consistently bad. I think he's just like right in that middle and maybe just like a little bit above average. So I like it. I like, I like Josh Jacobs as well. I think there is, you know, I like where they're going. I don't, I'm pretty sure they haven't hired a GM yet, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I'm interested to see who they hire a GM, but I think that, you know, there is a potential for the Raiders to start moving in the right direction again, especially with drafting draft, just drafting in general, because they obviously missed on their two picks in the 2020 draft, Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs, who both got released for, you know, obvious reasons that we've talked about before. So I like, I think I like it, but I'm, I'm going to hold my breath and not say anything just because of what happened before with the Broncos when Josh McDaniels was the head coach. I think it'll be interesting to see how and if his style changes a little bit because this offense with the Patriots was very run heavy, not very limited passing. And obviously that's to do with the personnel that they have. But I think Josh McDaniels has been known to really kind of be this creative offensive guy that has a lot of trick plays like we saw. We used to see with the Patriots, not as much this year, but um, I think he'll bring a lot, a lot of that to the Raiders and kind of make it a lot more exciting uh, offensively that they have in the last couple of years with the weapons that they have. Darren Waller, uh, Zay Jones has been a guy that they've really liked. Uh, Brian Edwards, I think is his first name, is um, another receiver that they that they like are very high on and. Hopefully with the success he had in the run game with the Patriots, hopefully he get a little bit of out of that from, uh, from Josh Jacobs. I think he's a guy that he's very young still, second, third year, that uh, he can elevate himself into the top kind of running back class if he has a big year. And this this hire obviously is meant to, to, meant to do that, to kind of bolster that. Um, I think, I don't know if it was made official official yet, but I think they were looking at the Patriots GM uh uh, other than, I guess, the real GM, Bill Belichick, uh, Dave Zeigler, who is going to be possibly their new uh, GM. So that uh, that tandem coming over from the from the Patriots, I think, will do well for them. And again, they, the Patriots have done very well in free agency. So that GM hire, hopefully bringing him to the Raiders, can attract some of these uh, big free agents and kind of keep them competing with the other uh, big guns in that division with the Chargers and the the. Chiefs, of course, that are only really going to get better in the in the Chargers case, really. Uh, the Chiefs will kind of probably stay the same at that great level that they are. But uh, I think this hire is uh, very exciting. I'm not going to say if I like it yet or not, because I'm not really sure about it. But I think one thing it'll bring is definitely excitement from the, for the fans, for the city of Las Vegas, this big anticipation that they have. I think uh, it'll do well for them. And hopefully it does. Hopefully Josh McDaniels learned from his first experience and can get uh, the best out of uh, Derek Carr, most importantly. Moving forward to the, the last team that's made a head coaching hire thus far, New York Giants hire Brian Dable. Um, I think this is a, a very exciting one for Giants fans, especially after 
I mean, any hire should be exciting after what they went through with Joe Judge. I think they're going to be pretty excited. And he's made Josh Allen one of the best QBs in the, the National Football League. I mean, we all know that it took him a while to make the jump, and but he, he made the jump the jump under Brian Dable. And I think this is a, a very good hire. Um, not necessarily going to be able to do the same thing if they decide to stick with Daniel Jones by any means, but I, I think he's, he should be good. Um, and time will tell obviously, but I like this hire and he just seems like the right guy for the job. And it's a, a big market and, you know, I think he can handle that pressure. I think he can handle the pressure too. And again, he has a track record of developing great quarterbacks, AKA Josh Allen, who, you know, again, like we talked about earlier, could be one of those guys that's in the conversation for being the leader of the league, that top of the top. So I think Dabble or Brian Dabble is a great coach. I don't know if you guys watched his intro, intro press conference, but he was roasting some of the reporters that were asking him questions. He yelled, he didn't yell at a guy, but he asked a guy who walked in late. He was like, why'd you walk in late? And he was like, ah, traffic. He was like, well, you should have left earlier. I was like, Oh, all right. Like, you know, I respect it. You know, there are certain times where, you know what, Hey, I'm, I respect if a coach like, you know, does little pointers or whatever at reporters, but I think it's a good hire. He, I mean, he's been a, he's been a great OC up in Buffalo. And I think, you know, it's going to, it's going to be interesting for the Giants just because, again, like you talked about, they are one of the oldest, most historic teams in all the NFL and the biggest market and arguably one of the biggest cities in the world with just about everything you can get in New York City. I very, I'm, I hope to God as an Eagles fan, even though I don't, I want the Eagles to succeed, I still want the Giants to be at least somewhat decent because I think Daniel Jones even though I didn't like him coming out of Duke, I didn't really think he deserved to be that drafted that high. And I think that he's proved that. I don't know if he ha has had the right coach in place for him. So I think either get, I think we should give him at least two years with Brian Dabble. And if Daniel Jones still isn't working out, then I think you move on. But I think the proper amount of time for Dabble to properly at least try to develop him, is probably going to be two years. So I like the hire. I think the Giants hopefully are moving in the right direction. And, you know, they still have good talent, but they, again, they got two draft picks in the top 10. So hope they just got a hit on those and again, continue building through the draft. I like the hire though. Yeah, going off of that, what you said, Patrick, I think the draft is, is very significant for this team. Uh, obviously they got their new GM uh, from the bills. Also, uh, I don't forgot. I can't think of his first name, but his last name is shown is Joe Schoen. Schoen. yeah Joe Schoen. Um, I think that's a very good hire too because it, what David Gettleman managed to do with that franchise is very is almost it's embarrassing to be a Giants fan at this point. It really is. Uh, with the talent that they got, they have they drafted some good players. Andrew Thomas is pretty good now compared to the other guys that they had. But uh, Kadarius Tony too. He's uh he's he's shown some promise a little bit, but um. This draft is significant coming up for them. And I think the only issue or bad thing I could see with this Brian Dabble hire is that not nothing to do with him. It's just these Giants fans have been itching for some positive to come out of that for so long that I think that their expectations for him could be too high. And then if he doesn't succeed at the what level that they that they hope out of him, they could 
instantly be kind of kicking at the door trying to for some reason get them out of there this is i think they have to understand that this is a long a very long-term project to get back to being like forget super bowl contender just being like a playoff team a relevant team getting back to there is the priority and i think hiring brian dabble is a big uh big step towards that and i think uh finding somebody else to be his offensive coordinator hoping that your defensive coordinator stays because their defense was wasn't awful it was pretty good so having managing all these little things and the draft obviously the big thing is going to be it's going to be huge for this team going forward and obviously how Daniel Jones develops. I think give him one more year, like Patrick said, and then you can see what, what you do with him. But this Giants team has, has potential. There are some, some pieces that are there that you can see you can have hope for. But uh, I think this Brian Dabble hire, you saw what the, he did with Josh Allen. So you can only have a good amount of hope that he could revitalize this team and get them to to being relevant again. So I think that's that's the first step and anything beyond that, any any su- success beyond that is it's just icing on the cake at this point. So I like the hire too. I think it, it'll be very good for the Giants. There's a there's a couple more left, obviously. Some some good vacancies, some some bad vacancies out there. You got places like Jaguars, Saints interesting one, uh Sean Payton left, they're kind of in middle ground. Uh, and then there's the Texans as well, which, uh, and the Dolphins. I mean, there's, there's a couple where you're like, you can convince yourself, but there's a couple, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I might sit back and wait, to be honest. But before we wrap up, Brady retired, then wasn't confirmed. And then it's kind of like, oh, the, the video's not ready that he wants released, yada, 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 stuff like that. He wanted to announce it and, and you know, Shefty announced it. And if Shefty's wrong, Gosh, he's been wrong a couple of times this year or like said some things at odd angles. And Shefty's had to apologize a couple of times, which is it's been kind of funny to me. But um it's just it's been an interesting time. So I guess the main question is right here, and I'll ask both of you, does Tom Brady retire or not? Where are you guys landing right now as uh January 31st, uh at almost 5 p.m. on the East Coast and Obviously, we'll probably find out in in the coming days, coming weeks. I think, you know, first off on on Schefter, he's lost his edge. And I think that's, you know, something, I mean, we're all journalism students. This is something we're taught from a very basic, like the most basic media 101 is with anything you are given, whether that's from a source or anyone you have to double verify. You got to verify with the first person, but you also got to verify with a second person who has knowledge of the situation. It's sound, people were, you know, people were throwing out stuff or whatever. I think the funniest thing was Brady like leaked it to Schefter just to get back at him for the deflate gate thing, which personally I thought was great. Honestly, you know, Schefter, you know, as much as I think anyone would want to be in Schefter's position, he's definitely he's not been the most consistent insider that you know NFL the NFL has had. So I think I liked it. However, I think for any athlete, especially with a pedigree as you know, I mean, you don't even have to explain it as good as Tom Brady, he should be allowed to make that decision on his own terms by himself no reporter should be allowed i don't think reporters should be allowed to report people retiring that's what happened to brandon brooks of the eagles he got 
they spoiled it like an hour before we were all like why didn't you just wait like it could have waited an hour it's just i hate when that's one thing i hate as a journalism student i hate when reporters jump the gun and they spoil retirements like cool dude you got like you got it first but you ruin like this player's retirement like come on it doesn't i don't really like it i never really i don't really like that practice by a lot of reporters but I, to answer your question, I would honestly still not be shocked if Brady retired. I think with the comments that he made, and, you know, we talked about this last week, with the comments that he made after the Bucks loss and, you know, him saying that he was hurt, that, you know, Giselle had to see him, you know, get hit every week and wanting to be a better husband to Giselle and a better, hu- and a better father to his kids, you know, as just in the back of my mind, I was like, there is no way this man doesn't go another season. But honest to God, it, I wouldn't be shocked if he just says, you know what, I'm not retiring and then goes wins a Super Bowl. Honest to God, that might happen. And you know what, I wouldn't be mad about it because Schefter ruined it for him. So I still think there's a very, I would err on the side of Brady probably retiring, but I also wouldn't be totally shocked if he just came back for one extra season just to be like, you know, like F you, like, this is what, this is what you get for ruining my retirement that I wanted to do, but you ruined it. So I'm very interested, but again, the fact that we even got that notification that Brady was retiring, I think is the most shocking thing I've ever seen. You just, you don't expect it. You really don't expect it. So I'm interested to see it. I'm going to err on the side of him probably retiring, but I wouldn't be shocked if he stayed around for at least another season. It's funny uh, when that message didn't come through, like we all reacted in our, in our group chat, but it just, it, it was like, it was kind of like froze time. I think everybody kind of just, it was like stopped whatever they were doing and looked at it. They were like, it, this can't be real there. Tom Brady hasn't said anything. Why is Schefter reporting it? Like, how does he know like how how has Tom not said anything it's it was very weird but then obviously the reports came out after that that he hasn't really made it official he hasn't told the bucks yet his dad even said that those he hasn't even communicated it to to him they haven't really talked about it so uh but that being said I I think I'm also leaning towards that he's going to retire I think just he's never really talked about going into an offseason thinking about, oh, yeah, this could be it. I have to talk with my family about it, see what they think. He's always been uh, he's he's always been kind of looking forward to the next season. He's never really stopped to think about, hey, maybe this this could be it for me. Um, but if if he does retire, I think it's I think it's just this such precious this precious thing that like everybody has just kind of gone along the journey with this anomaly of his uh his career being 45 being the year for 22 years uh just to see it end so instantaneous like it, it was the other day when Schefter reported it, it was it was pretty crazy but I think I think everybody it was kind of a prelude to what everybody kind of thinks will happen uh, it just kind of getting everybody ready to not be so taken aback like we were when Schefter reported it. So I just, I think it, it is his time to to retire. I think he has, he said it himself, I think uh, days after that interview, after that uh, he kind of wants to go out on his terms. And when he knows that he can't be that asset, that valuable asset playing at that level anymore, that he'll, he'll call it quits and not saying that he he's not at that level, but um I don't think he can get much better than leading the league in touchdowns and, and yards. So I think he'll want to go out in his own terms and not 
go out when everybody kind of is pushing for him to go out, like in the situation of a Big Ben or like an Eli Manning, when everybody was kind of yelling at their screens for him to retire. I don't think he wants that. I think this would be a perfect ending to to his career going out, leading the league in another category um, that he has been that he has so so numerous times before. So. Uh, I think this will be it for him. We're just waiting, like you guys said, for, for the video, the official announcement from Tom to make it this whole big thing. And I'm sure they'll have maybe even like parades for him after that, kind of celebrating his career, all this, uh, all the celebration for him. So uh, I think he will retire. And, but I think it's just a matter of when he'll announce it and more importantly, what the Bucks will, will do after that. Because after that, with all the free agents that they have, I think they will be a very interesting team to look uh, to look out for this free agency in this offseason to what they look like next season. It would definitely be very intriguing to watch this all unfold. I mean, it's a QB that we've had to watch our entire lives, uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But, I mean, he's he's going to go down as, as the GOAT in football, and it'll be very hard for a QB to get close to that again and do anything that Brady did. Um but yeah, I mean, interesting weekend. Thought he retired, possibly not. Probably will tire. But it's also interesting that hey, I mean, he could probably play two or three more years. I mean, it kind of looks like he doesn't look that bad, to be honest. Which is crazy to say about a forty-four year old quarterback in the NFL. But we've got the Pro Bowl that no one cares about coming up this weekend, and then uh, we'll be back Monday to preview the Super Bowl and some other fun things and whatnot but this has been first and moose with manny patrick and myself thank you for listening as always it's been presented by united to the moose college radio at west virginia university